Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. I got to hurry. I ain't got but 45 minutes. Because I know y'all something want to get to, the, get to the water, get to the barbecue pit or something today. I got to briefly address what's happening in this nation. I'm not going to take a long time. Because you done heard, an, uh, you, that's all you heard all week. But I want you to hear from your pastor. I want to talk about Uvalde. I want to talk about Buffalo. I want to talk about California. And I also want to talk about the senseless violence that's happening in every major city, in every area of this country. We should rightfully be absolutely just crushed and even enraged just on these three recent events. A supermarket, a church, and a school. Three places that we never dreamed in all of our lives would be a place that we would have to watch our back for mass murder. Going to get groceries, going to worship God, and sending our children to school. As, as, as listen to me adults, as distraught as you are, can you even imagine what's going through the minds of our children about going back to school next year? They need to see strength. They need to see an anointing on your life. They don't need to see you buying in to the crap that the world is selling. They need to see you praying, laying hands on them, pleading the blood of Jesus over their lives. And not teaching them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you think for a moment that anything, that any president or any senator or any representative could ever do to change what is happening in this country, you have bought into the lie of the devil wholeheartedly. Because let me tell you something, regardless of how you feel about guns, regardless of how, what political party you are on, if you don't realize the issue that we have is demonic and is sin and is at the core of everything, something that is against God, you have already left. Your mind is gone. You don't have a sound mind. Now you can disagree on policy, but what is happening now is not policy because it didn't just start happening now. It's been happening for generations. And that's what I'm going to preach on today. Today's message is called The Consequences of the Glory. Oh, you heard preachers preach about the blessings of the glory. But there are consequences of the glory. I got two weeks before I'm going to go to Peru, so I got a two-week series coming. Part one is called the consequences of the glory when the glory departs. Part two on Pentecost Sunday is the consequences of the glory when the glory returns. We live 
in a nation that is divided right down the middle. In fact, that's just politically. We're not divided down the middle when it comes to the glory. No. In fact, the truth is, it's probably somewhere around 70 or 80 out of the glory and 20 in the glory. And that's being very, hold up, that's being very generous. The consequences of the glory, listen, you want to be in the glory, but you don't want to be in a moment when the glory has departed. Are y'all alive this morning? There is a man whose story starts in the womb of his mother. In the Old Testament. His name is Samuel. Hannah was praying she was barren. She was praying for a son. All she wanted was a son. And she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And nothing happened. And one day she said something very powerful. She said to God, if you'll give me a son and you'll let me spend time with him when he's a baby. Feed him. Nourish him. Until he is at the age that he is weaned from my breast. And that he could eat regular food and survive. When he is at that point, I will not take for granted a single day that he is with me. Even when he can't in the natural understand my words, I will speak into his life. I will cover him. I will tell him about that he's a world changer. I will remind him that the anointing is on his life. That he has a purpose and he has a destiny. And when he begins to understand my words, maybe I'll begin to tell him the commitment that I made about his life. Because it's going to be difficult for him to understand. But at some point, if you give me that, I will take him to the temple. And I will give him back to you, God. I will let him leave my home as a boy. And live with the priest, Eli. And learn and submit and serve in the house of God. Are you still with me? So the day comes when the baby is weaned. She has the child. It's miraculous. The day comes when the child is weaned from her breast and is now, she now knows that he can now eat on his own, survive on his own. We don't know what age that was. Certainly it was an age where he could talk. He was led as a young boy, as a child, and taken to Eli. And, he, and she said, he is yours. He's my son. I'll come back to visit him from time to time. But he now lives with you. And now I need you to pour into his life. I've told him his entire life, that he's the short life that he's been with me, that this is his destiny. Eli must have seen something very powerful on him because you don't just take in boys in the temple in that day. So he took him in. He gave him a little room on the, off of the side. This is all in your Bible. A little bed to sleep in just off the quarters of Eli. And one night he's laying there and they're both sound asleep. Samuel is awakened. And as he is awakened, he is awakened by a voice. And there's only one word being said. An audible voice comes forth in that room. And he says, Samuel. And he jumps up. And it must have sounded like the only father figure in, or the only example of God that he had ever had in his life. And that was supposed to be Eli. 
Because he thought it must have been Eli because he runs into Eli's bed and wakes Eli up. It says, I'm here, Master. What, what did you desire of me? You called me. Eli looks at him and says, I didn't call you, boy. I was sound asleep. What are you talking about? He said, well, I heard your voice. Well, it wasn't me. You must have had a bad dream. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. He falls asleep again. He's awakened a second time. Samuel. He arises. He runs in there and says, sir, I heard you that time. What what do you need? What do you need, Eli? What do you need, sir? He said, boy, I told you I didn't call you. I was asleep. I barely got back to sleep. Go back to bed. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe somebody was calling you. When you go back this time, test the spirits to see they're of God. I think I have an idea of what's going on. If it does it again, don't run in here to me. Rise up and say, here I am, Lord. Speak. So he goes back and he lays down in his bed. And the third time he hears that voice, Samuel. And he rises up and he says, here I am, Lord. Speak. I pick up in verse 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I'm going to go fast. But i got to get this out. 1 Samuel chapter 3 says, Now the Lord came and stood and called us as other times. Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel. Everybody say Israel. In the Old Testament, Israel is a type of the church. When you read about God speaking of Israel in the Old Testament, you can also realize that there's principles to learn there about the New Testament church. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears, everyone who hears, it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from the beginning to the end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. What is the iniquity in which he knows? Because he has allowed himself and his sons to defile the temple of God. Are y'all hearing me? He says because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. He watched his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, offer strange incense on the altar of God that was forbidden by God. They wanted to do it their way. They wanted to bring the things of the world into the temple. And the elder, the man, the father of the house, who is supposed to stop this and instruct the sons, allowed it to happen. He's telling this to a boy. Are y'all with me, church? Therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel laid down until morning, opening the doors of the house of the Lord. Notice he didn't say he went back to sleep because you can't go back to sleep after hearing that. He laid there pondering as a boy, how in the world am I going to go tell the most powerful man in the house of God this? And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Verse 16. And Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. See, Eli knew what was happening. 
Eli knew that God had a hard word for him. So he knew Samuel didn't want to tell him. So he even called Samuel, get in here, boy. You with me, church? Here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Eli spoke that over his life because he knew what he had done. And Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. Watch this. I love this. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words ever fall to the ground. How about a prophet? And every single thing he ever said came to pass and never fell to the ground and was forgotten. That didn't start. A man don't walk in that kind of anointing when you're living under the tutelage of a man in rebellion. That started with his mama. That started in the womb. That started in the house. How many knows you can get more for the rest of your life as a baby? In fact, that's why the enemy is trying to attack our children from the womb all the way through school when they're in school and try to not only kill them but cause them to lose their identity, try to change their gender, try to bring them in all kinds of confusion because what happens to you in your childhood will affect you for the rest of your life. Are you hearing me? That's why the sons and the daughters have to prophesy. Because he can't count on the old men and women. Because we done dried up. We need the Samuels to rise up. Samuel is atop of the remnant church. Eli is atop of the compromised church. Eli refused to restrain his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, as they made themselves defiled before God. And part of the problem with the modern church is the fathers of the house has let the sons be pulled into the culture of this world. And they've allowed them to bring the world's culture into the house of God. Can I tell you something? Men and women of God, you are to blame. Our children will follow us. Before you get all messed up, when I say you, I mean in me too. How are we going to have prophets if we ain't prophesying? How are we going to have evangelists if we ain't evangelizing? How are we going to have pastors if we ain't pastoring? How are we going to have fathers, raise up sons to be fathers, raise up daughters to be mothers if we ain't being fathers and mothers? Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Those that walk in the five-fold ministry, without a vision, the people perish. That, that literally means in the original, you've heard me say it, but you need to be reminded of it. Without a prophetic voice, the people cast off all restraint and run wild. Does it not look like the, the nation has cast off restraint and run wild? Because the prophets, the prophetic voice, the pastors, 
have compromised the temple. They've allowed strange incense to go up before God. And they're afraid. They're afraid of being canceled. They're afraid of being labeled. Are y'all hearing me, church? Eli knew that God had spoken a word to him because he had separated himself already from the glory. The glory had already departed from Eli. There's no miserable, more miserable place in the world than for the glory and the favor of God to lift from you. Now, he don't leave you. He don't forsake you. God doesn't leave you. But how many knows the glory is not God? The glory is the manifest presence, the fragrance, the smoke that fills the temple when he decides to bring the residence, the residue of which he lives and exists into our world. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent, omnipotent and omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's, he's, on, he's on a deserted island because it's not deserted. He's there. Everywhere. You cannot run from the presence of God. But just because God is everywhere, His glory does not reside upon everyone. Listen, it's not an easy word to be, it's not an easy thing to be a pastor in this day and preach bold. That's why other pastors watch me. They tell me that. I say that humbly. They tell me that. You're saying things that I'm not ready to say yet, but I'm watching you and I'm learning from you. I can't say that in my church. And I say to them, why can't you? When will you? Who is stopping you? Who in that church has a hold on you? The one you're worried about holding you needs to go. If they're going to stop you from telling this generation the only thing that's going to save their life, spiritually and quite frankly, maybe even literally, why are you worried about placating to them? Listen to me. It's time, preacher, you forget about how much somebody pays in tithes. And just preach the gospel. Because if you preach the gospel, you're preaching in love, you're preaching in humility, but you preach it with truth. For everyone that gets mad and walks out, God will send you somebody else and then some. Jesus told his disciples, not one of you will ever forsake anything. Houses, lands, materialistic things that you shall not have returned and then some in this life. Not just in the life to come. Are y'all with me? So not long after that, watch what happens. Here we go. First Samuel chapter 4. Only the older people even knew what I just did. The rest of them are like, is, is, is that like a PlayStation game or something? What, what is that? See, some of y'all learned how to drive on one of them. I learned how to drive one of them on the column. Verse 1. 
of chapter 4 of 1 Samuel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines, them stinking Philistines, and encamped beside Ebenezer. Scrooge, I'm, I'm sorry, wait a minute. And the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. They began to prepare. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us this day before the Philistines? In other words, we were sure of this victory. Now you come back and tell us that over 4,000 have been killed and we have ran for our lives. Oh, the elders said, oh, I got it. I know what the problem is. Oh, we forgot something. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. Shiloh, the place of, of where it was supposed to be stored correctly. They pulled it out of that place and brought it to a place of rebellion. From Shiloh to us. And when it comes among us, we'll take it to battle with us and it will save us from the hand of our enemy. Are y'all with me, church? So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons, remember these two names? Of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Woo! Here it comes. Here comes the glory. And we got to bring it in with the preachers. Hophni and Phinehas. Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, dressed in their priestly garb, marching and slinging the smoke and slinging the incense, going through the ritualistic things of bringing in the ark. And behind them is the cherubim touching each other, the mercy seat. All of Israel said, yes, yes, yes. They were moved by emotion. They were moved by the pomp and circumstance. They were moved by people who looked like they knew what they were doing. Let me tell you something. Pastors have developed the ability now to make you think everything is all right. They can get up here and preach on the fire of the anointing of God while they're sleeping with the secretary. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. One by one by one, the purging is happening all over this nation. It breaks my heart. I don't rejoice in it because it means a family is destroyed. But one by one by one, there's not a week that goes by that I don't see a news article of another pastor having to resign from the pulpit because of adultery. Resign from the pulpit because of the affair that they've had. Not just with other women, some of them with, with other men. Churches are falling. Churches are closing. Because the pastors are being exposed as Hophni and Phinehas. Let me tell you something. Just because you know how to have church don't mean you are the church. Just because you know how to work a crowd don't mean you preaching. Just because you know how to hack a little bit. 
I'm telling you why some people know how to talk like this. Oh, they're throwing a little scream in there every once in a while. And then every once in a while they'll say, can you hear me? Just because you got a Hammond with a B3. Huh? And a Leslie talking back to you on the side. Just because you know how to dance. Just because you know how to jerk and chive. Don't mean crap. I've been around some jerking and jiving preachers that are living like the devil. People attending churches because they don't want to go to a church where a pastor don't act up, cut up, and jerk and jive the way they like it. They don't even care how he's living. They just want to be moved emotionally by the way he preaches. Quit looking for a white pastor, a black pastor, Hispanic pastor, a church, church of God pastor, church of God, a prophecy pastor, church of God and Christ pastor, my God, Baptist pastor. Why don't you just find a pastor that is really a pastor that don't... My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. And listen, quit telling people you got a white pastor. Quit it. I don't want to be known as no white pastor. I ain't no white pastor. I ain't, I ain't got no black pastor friends. I got pastor friends. Now if somebody asks you, you can tell him, well, he, he, his skin looks white, but I can tell you, you need to come. You'll be confused. You'll be confused. Demonic spirits cannot bring in the glory. You can't live like the devil and expect to walk in the glory. How about this concept? How about we get some preachers that start living right so that they can not just preach good, but give an example so we can raise up some sons and daughters of churches in this remnant that really believe in living for God. Do you know Barna just did a, 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 a recent survey of, of modern pastors? You're going to be, mine's going to be blown. Only 30% of pastors of all denominations responded that they have, that they operate in what is known as a biblical worldview. 30%. Meaning 70% of people who call themselves pastors preach every Sunday with a non-biblical worldview. Meaning they believe in Jesus. They believe in, you know, it's all kinds of things that fall under that category. But ultimately they believe that... You can't really take everything literally in Scripture because surely all that's not really literal, that there is something that we can do. They, they, when, you're, when you don't have a biblical worldview, you have a secular worldview. You begin to think that the answers can be done by man. How's that working out? I'm preaching so much better than y'all shout. See, the people all shouted. They shouted so loud the earth shook. Well, they're going to shout at an Alabama ball game in the fall. 
just because you shout. Listen, I've been at Alabama games. When they blocked those two kicks, Mount Cody blocked those two kicks. Me and Sam's at that game. I'm, I'm not making this up. The stadium shook. You ever been in a football game where the stadium shook? You could literally feel like an earthquake was happening. It was, I mean, I could feel it. And some random guy, because I got, I got up and went to the bathroom. How crazy is that? On the second Mount Cody kick, had no idea that was going to happen. I just come back out of the tunnel, Sandy's way up there in her seat by herself. And he blocks that kick, and that place goes insane. And these random guys are just picking up people. This one big old guy just picked me up and spun me around and kissed me on the cheek. Sure did. I finally got back in the seat. I was, she's like, my God, did you see that? I said, yeah. And some big giant dude just kissed me. But he made it all right because right after he kissed me, he said, roll tight. That fixes everything. I just looked right back at him and said, roll tight. It was awkward, but I'll take it. Oh, oh, for too long, the church has used the Holy Ghost and the glory as a prop. Oh, he's a banner with a dove on it. Oh, you created your church logo, and he's got this pretty little dove with a piece olive branch in his, in his mouth. When in reality, the glory cannot be confined, confined to a logo. And the truth is, when you've relegated him to a logo and a dove and that's all he ever gets, he's not even really even in the room as far as his glory. He's in the room, but his presence is not manifested. i got to hurry. Now I want you to listen to the words of the Philistines when they heard the earth shake. Because they were, their response was based on the past. Their response was based on the stories that they heard of the glory. Are you watching me? So they automatically thought, I'm going to show you this even greater next week, that if that ark is with them, there is no hope for us because the glory is with them. Watch what happens. They heard the, the loud shout. Verse 16, chapter 4. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. Because they knew nobody shouts like that in Israel without the ark. So the Philistines were, say it loud, afraid. Come on, the Philistines were what? The devil is supposed to be afraid of us. He's supposed to be afraid of our praise. You walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. If you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. Ain't nobody scared of that. Ain't no devil scared of that. But when you forget about everything else, you go, oh, that's right, that's right. Wow, if you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. You already paid the price. I ain't staying in this tomb. I ain't staying wrapped up. My God, you hear me, devil? I'm coming out of this man. The devil is scared of that kind of prayer. Mm. 
So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. See, before they were fighting the Israelites, now they were afraid because they thought because of the ark, they were fighting God. And that's the way the devil ought to think about you. When you get up in the morning, the devils ought to be trembling. Not because you got up, but because you got up with the glory in you and on you. And if you, when they look at you, they ought to see God. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Now listen to this pep talk that the general gave him. This is, this is like when they stormed the beaches of Normandy. Because before they, got, before they got in those boats that would take them to the beach, the speeches that have been repeated and told over the years was this. Here's the reality, men. In a few minutes, in just a few minutes, Almost every single one of you are going to be dead. Your mission, when that ramp drops, is to try to live. But many of you, you need to know, will die in a matter of minutes. But what you do and how, you, how far you get on that beach will help the ones that are coming behind you and ultimately in, help us end this war so that the next generation does not have to live the way we have had to live. And listen, I don't mean to be detrimental, but you have to ask yourself how in the world could anything like that happen in the, this generation that we live in today. People don't even want to do anything, let alone sacrifice their life for someone else. But those men and those young boys, some of them teenagers, looked up, straightened themselves up and said, let's do this. Because they love their country and they love their families and they love their cities. Jesus said, No greater love that has any man than a man lay down his life for a friend. But listen to this pep talk because this is that kind of pep talk. This is what the Philistine general said, verse 9 Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines. That you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. You didn't hear that kind of talk in the, even in the house of God with the Ark of the Covenant. They were putting their faith in some men who had literally defiled the temple of God. And were counting on something happening for them that they had not paid the price to happen for them. So what he was trying to say is this. Do not allow yourself to be taken captive. To become their slave. Fight, kill as many as you can. But if it don't look like you're going to make it, make sure you die on the battlefield like a man. So they went into battle thinking, we're all dead. Watch what happened. So the Philistines fought, verse 10, and Israel was defeated. And every man of Israel fled like a child back home to their tent, for there was a great slaughter, and there fell in Israel 30,000 soldiers. But here's the big one, 
Verse 11. Also, the ark of God was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Ahaphne and Phinehas, died. See, the sound of the shout of the people didn't mean nothing if you were not coming the right way. Listen, I know sometimes in this church, somebody will say, let out a shout and we'll all shout. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with responding. There's got to be something behind that shout. Let me tell you something. The ark of the covenant of God, which represented the glory, was a mercy seat. The place where God came down and sat was taken captive. By the enemy. A remnant church that values the glory of God will refuse to let the glory be taken from us. Let me tell you something. We will go down with our last breath in this church fighting for the glory of God. I told you this and I'm going to tell you again. I don't care about monkeypox. I don't care about the next variant. I don't care about what's coming across the ocean. I don't care what's in the air. I don't care what's in the touch. I don't care what the CDC says. I don't care what the president says. This church will not close. The glory of the Lord will reside in this place. There will be a remnant. There will be a place where people can get in the glory. Take it for what you want. If you can't hack it, get your jacket. I got to hurry. I got 10 minutes. How about this? You do you and I'll do me. I don't, you do whatever you want to do. I, don't, I ain't got no right to tell you to do anything. I don't want to run your life. I got a hard time running my own life. Do whatever you feel to do for your family. But I know what my, me and my family are going to do. Oh, and by the way, this is also my family. In fact, I spend more time around you than I do with my own family. I might like some of y'all better. I shouldn't have said that. Watch this, gotta hurry, gotta hurry, gotta hurry, got nine minutes now. So Hophni, Phineas, dead. 30,000, dead. Rest of them running for their lives. In the midst of the people running, there is a young boy from the tribe of Benjamin. The youngest tribe. Representing the youth. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Representing that in the midst of all this chaos, Oh, there's a young group. There's a young generation of men and women who are saying, look, my God, we've heard this is the way it's been done for all these years, but we saw with our own eyes, we can't do it this way. This, this ain't the way it works. This ain't what my daddy told me used to happen. This ain't the way it's supposed to happen. And he's running with all his might to the only place that he knows to run to. Not to his own mama, not to his own daddy, not to his own house, but to the house of God. The Bible says there was a man from Benjamin who ran from the battle line on the same day and came to Shiloh in the clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now he came and there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside watching. 
In fact, that tells me what he'd been doing for a long time. He'd been sitting on the wayside watching in the Spirit. For his heart trembled for the ark of God. Stop. He had no idea what had happened. But he was sitting there trembling for the sake of the ark of God, not for the sake of his sons. Because when he saw his sons lead the ark, he'd been doing this long enough to know that young man, what he's about to tell me was what I feared. It is not good. He trembled because he knew what he had allowed to happen was not what was supposed to happen to the glory. But when the glory is departed from you, you don't care about what it, ha- what it does for anybody else. In fact, misery loves company. When the glory is departed from you, you'll try your best to cause it to depart from others. How about this? When you get mad at the preacher and leave the church, how about this? Just be quiet and leave the church. But it ain't enough for you, is it? It ain't enough for you to go quietly. No, you got to call. You got to text. You got to privately message the ones that are still here. Try to get them in your camp and come with you too. You got to turn them against the pastor too. Just leave the church and shut up. Just leave us alone. If they're going to leave, they're left with you. Mm-hmm. Well, I got six minutes. And when the man, I tried that joke at Judah last week when they let me up there, and not a soul responded. I was like, y'all been under bishop too long. I mean, I begged them. Not, I, I didn't even ask for five. I asked for one minute. Nobody would even give me one minute. Watch this. His heart trembled for the ark of God. When the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he says, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came quickly and told Eli, Eli was 98 years old. And his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle. I fled today from the battle line. And he said, what happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines. There has been a great slaughter among the people. And your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. And the ark of God has been captured. Then it happened. Watch this. Watch what it says. When, they made, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off of his seat backwards and hit the side of the gate and his neck broke and he died. And the man was old and heavy. That's a, that's a kind way of saying he was fat. And he was judged. He judged Israel for 40 years. Let me tell you something, man. It's, it's a sad state when you don't fall off your seat hearing that your son's died. You don't even respond. But you knew what your, the state that your sons was in. And when he fell off his seat, when he heard the Ark of the Covenant had been captured, he didn't just fall because the Ark had been captured. He fell 
because he knew it had been captured because of him. Eli knew exactly what it meant. Chaos began to ensue all over the camp of Israel. As word spread, women crying out, travailing of the news that their husband was dead. Children crying out for their father who was never coming home. And inside Eli's home, there was a woman who some believe was probably around eight months pregnant. She was the wife of Phineas, the daughter-in-law of Eli. They ran in. She had her hand on her belly probably just trying to take it easy. What's going on? What's going on? Verse 19. Now his daughter-in-law Phineas' wife was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of, the, of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of, of her death, because it was a travailing birth, it was, it was not ready, and they knew that she was not going to make it. And the midwives looked at her and said, you're not going to make it. About the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she even regard it. She never even looked at her own child, that at one point she could not wait to meet. And she named, because her husband was gone, so he couldn't name the child. It was up to her. In her last breathing moments, she named the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark has been captured. And because her father-in-law and her husband had died, and she said with her mouth, her last words, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. In this picture, we have three generations. Eli, Phineas, and Ichabod. For over a week now, God has been speaking to me the message that I'm going to preach next week. And as I was preparing to preach that message next week, not knowing what I was going to preach this week, God took me here and said, you cannot preach next week what I've been trying to tell you until you preach this what I preach today. Because you will not get the power of the moment, which is an absolute revelation for this moment, a message I have never preached in my life that's going to happen next Sunday. But God spoke to this to me last night. I got a download. I realized that he was 18 years old when he became the judge there in that area. He led and judged for 80 years, the Bible said. Well, 40 years is a generation. In biblical terms. So two generations ago is when he began. One generation ago is when Hophni and Phinehas began. And the final generation of that moment was the day that Ichabod was born. So I begin to think about this. If you'll just give me two minutes, this is going to blow your mind. 
my mind went back to this moment. I thought, let me go back and look at the timeline of the last 80 years. Two generations. Two generations ago was 1942. That would have meant two generations ago birth would have been young adults in the 60s. The 60s was the generation that began to abandon church and began to embrace free love, free sex, no consequences of sex, drugs, finding your own way. Turning your back on God. When the cover of Time magazine had a picture of Jesus and said, Is God dead? That was that generation that's in their 80s now. Watch this. One generation ago, 1982, would be those that are in their 40s. And that they would have been in their 20s in the early 2000s. Listen to this. They would have been the generation. They would have been the teens when the teens, internet and gaming first started. By the time they were in college or starting a family, everything they knew was on the internet. They were not born into that, but by the time they began to raise a family, everything was internet driven. Are you hearing me? Further taking what happened in the 60s and now been given a tool where you don't have to go to Woodstock. You don't have to go to this and that to be indoctrinated. Every day you are indoctrinated by this technology. That's the second generation. That's the Hophni and the Phineases. The first was the Eli. And then the third generation. Those would have been the 20-year-olds of today that were born in 2002. And that weirds me out just to say that. One year before they were born, 9-11 happened. The, the entire childhood of this generation that was born in the early 2000s has been in a war environment. They were raised hearing about war. Many of those children lost their parents overseas in war or were maimed. And they've had to watch them with prosthetics on their body and burns all over their body trying to understand. But when they were little babies and children, their fathers had been battles towards the end of that battle. Many of their parents lost their homes and jobs in 2008 at the crash. They witnessed this generation, this generation that's in their 20s, and 20s and early 30s. This was the generation that saw the beginning of the current LGBTQ plus whatever agenda. You saw the first gay in relationship on Ellen. You saw the Supreme Court say gay marriage is now a thing. You have watched recently the trans agenda. You have watched a nation divide racially like we have not seen since the 60s. I'm preaching better than you shouting. You have, you have watched, a, you, you have literally lost family members because they wouldn't share something online or say something or do a hashtag. 
This, oh, you got quiet. I know. I know. I, I don't care. Listen, either I'm your pastor or I'm not. Quit listening to the voices that made that offend you. Quit listening to the voices that made that offend you. Get around people that you know where they stand. You don't need somebody to, to make a video to show you where they stand. Get around them and you'll know anybody can make a video. Anybody can copy a picture and make a post. But who are they really? Are they there for you when all hell comes against you? I'll be back next Sunday. What's this? They've seen, they've seen us divide racially like we've not seen in a long time. They've seen hatred and murder on another level. Honestly, what they have seen is Ichabod. This is the spirit of Ichabod generation. But God. How many knows God wasn't through with Israel with Ichabod? Not long after that. It wasn't that long after that that the same Samuel that prophesied to Eli would walk into a house of a man named Jesse and try to oh, anoint a young man who was out in the field. His name was David. Listen, that same prophet that had to speak against Eli was the same prophet in the midst of an Ichabod generation that was born into the Ichabod generation. See, you got to get this. David was born in the generation of Ichabod. But just cause the glory had departed over the house of Eli didn't mean that God didn't still have a remnant out of the field somewhere. The remnant generation will rise among Ichabod. Ooh, I feel God. And the spiritual Philistine taken us for granted too long they think we're all Hophni and Phineas's. they think we're all Eli's they think we've all compromised oh remember what Elijah said Elijah ran from Jezebel got sitting up under that juniper tree it says just me and you left God nobody else but me and you I'm the only one hadn't bowed a knee to Baal God said let me help you son let me tell you something. Everything ain't what you see. Everything ain't about you. That same city that you're looking down on and judged them all, in, in the quiet, there's a bunch of no names. They ain't prophets. They, they ain't got big followers on Instagram. They ain't gone viral yet. But I, this is what God told Elijah. I got 7,000 no names. I got 7,000 unknowns that ain't never bowed a knee to pale. They just wait for something. They're just waiting for somebody to stand up and lead them. They're just waiting for somebody to be a voice. They're just waiting for a church somewhere to plug into that still believes in the glory of God. There's consequences when you've lived in the glory and you allow it to depart from you. But if there's breath in your body, if there's breath in your body, shall I still got breath. Stand on your feet right now. I dare you to shout to the top of your lungs, I'm still breathing. Somebody shout, I'm still breathing. I'm not dead. 
shouted out the dead. So God is not through with me. Give him a shout of praise. Give him a shout of praise like you're a remnant. You want a hashtag? Here's your hashtag. Go tweet this one and hashtag. Simply put. The David generation is rising. Hashtag happy remnant day. literally literally need to move heaven and earth to be in service next week I'm telling you Pentecost Sunday there's going to be so much stuff going on in this house but I truly believe between Remnant Sunday and Pentecost Sunday the Remnant is going to start rising I believe it Something's going to be released in this house. And the following Sunday, when we're in Peru, Chris Owensby and his son Noah Owensby is going to walk right into it. They're going to walk right into it. Oh, they're bringing something for us, but they don't know what they're going to get. Then the next Sunday, when we're on a plane flying back, Pastor Bo Johnson from Refuge Church is going to be walking right into it. Y'all hear me? Because let me tell you, that's why God is using us in this moment. Never think for a moment that what is happening in Solid Rock Church is just for you and your family. God, I told you years ago when I preached that series on influence, I knew what was coming. I didn't know all this was coming, but I knew something was going to come that was going to cause this church to be a light in the midst of darkness. And other pastors and other ministers and other people that don't, that don't leave in their church, they love their church, are going to come and get in this. I had a pastor messaged me this week and said man I got to get up to Birmingham he lives in Florida he says I got to get up this was worse me I got to get up in Florida and get in that environment that I see happening in that house I just got to get in it so don't take for granted your praise don't for, take for granted your commitment the things that you're pushing through in here just to praise God in your own life is making a difference in other people's lives maybe that's why it's so hard Maybe that's why it's a struggle in the fight. Because you don't even realize how influential you already are just in your praise. If you love the Lord, shout, I love Him. If you hate that devil, shout, I hate that snake, I thank. God bless you. Happy Memorial Day.